This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Thanks for joining me in another episode here. Today, we want to talk about branded content. And you know the journalist in me, what the heck is that definition? Well, I'm not going to answer it for you. I'm going to ask today's guest, Stuart Reynolds of Brittle Star um, in the in Canada. And, you know, I ran across Stuart on another show. I don't remember what show it was, but I thought, really interesting topic, entertaining guy. I want to talk to him. Let's get him on the show here. Let's get him out of the green room and get this party started. Stuart, glad to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So the most important question first, are you going to, you're not going to play any guitar for us to get us going? (laughs) No, they just look pretty. That's it. It's all fake. (laughs) It's all fake. That's well, it's like these windows behind me. They're all, it's all fake. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is. So to get us started here, tell us branded content. What are we talking about? So uh, basically, when people refer to branded content, um, they'll refer to the stuff that I create. Um, So about 95% of what I create is videos online, largely videos or other posts on social media. And about 5% of the stuff I create is branded content. And that branded content is usually when brands or agencies come to me and say, can you create something that's a minute or two minutes or whatever the length they need? And um, do it in the regular style I'll do and that sort of comedic style, but then include the brand's messaging or product or whatever in in that. Um, And it's basically our bread and butter as far as social media content creation goes. I mean, there is some monetization, but but, uh, branded content is our bread and butter as far as social media content creation. And so you you have a little bit of a fun voice out there. I mean, even when you go to your website, brittlestar.com, the internet's favorite dad. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Unproven. Asterix. Unproven. (laughs) That's right. right. I have to do a little disclaimer there, a little caveat, just so that people don't take me to court or anything like that. You know what I mean? So I actually stole that from Alan Thicke. Uh, Alan Thicke, uh, of course, a beloved actor. uh, And he, in his bio, had America's favorite dad. But of course, Alan Thicke was Canadian, um, and as a little sort of a wink and a nod, when it said America's favorite dad, he spelt favorite the Canadian way with a with F A V O U R I T E. And uh, when he passed away, I was like, oh well, I'll just I'll just modify that. I'll just become the internet's favorite dad with an asterisk that says unproven. That's funny. I have to think about how to integrate that into my website. I added all kinds of numbers on my website after John. It was John Weiler was on the show, and he says you should right. just add on your website eight hundred fifty thousand words for one point eight million readers, for example, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I never thought about that. Um, so, okay, well, so tell us how can brands make their? I mean, how can brands make things more interesting? I, I almost wanted to say funnier, but maybe that's not the right term. But 
Yeah, how can they yeah. get their voice? Uh, I mean, it's not a case of, you're right, it's not a case of being, making brands trying to make things funnier necessarily. That can be one part or one direction they take. But I think, you know, one of the cool things about social media and being a content creator in social media is that you have a connection with people. Uh, it's a very intimate medium. Uh, it's largely consumed uh, mobily. So people are holding your your head and your whole video in, in their hands and they're consuming that content in positions where they're fairly vulnerable. They're going to be maybe lying in bed. They're relaxing the couch. They're in the bathroom, whatever they have to do. Um, so it's a very intimate connection you have with the viewer and you're building up a relationship and trust with the viewer. And you have to kind of honor that uh, if you're a content creator. So for brands, I think brands have to be mindful of that and realize of course, as well with scroll culture, no one has to watch anything. No one has to consume anything. Even though you follow me, you don't have to watch anything I do. You can just keep scrolling. You can scroll right past it. So brands have to realize that they are capitalizing on that trust and relationship that creators have when they create branded content or if they create their own branded content in general. But it, it's a different medium from television It's not a, it's, or, or news, newsprint or radio. You can't just create something and think, well, X number of people will consume this. It's like no one has to consume anything. So you have to entertain them first. It's so interesting. So what you, you know, I, I just had a little bit of a flashback here, I guess, to my life in, in newspapers. And everybody would always say, well, you have to read the newspaper because it gets there. And that's the only thing you can read. And what's interesting is who knows how many people actually read it just because they got it. right? Well, exactly. I mean, how yeah. do we know? Yeah. I mean, that's always been the thing with the, the, you know, especially with television or traditional media compared to new media is that traditional media like television, they'd say, well, X number of people uh, watch this episode of whatever friends. And that was a guess. I mean, they were literally just guessing. Whereas now we have up to the second, you know, metrics that tell us exactly how many people are watching. Uh, so if, you know, a million people watch a video that I make, then it's because a million people watch the video. You could have a television show and say, well, we get a viewer rating of maybe like 4 million people and they don't really know, well, at least for a long time, they didn't really know if that many people actually watched it. So it's a very different medium. Very different. And of course we can measure it online, but you know what? An impression counted does not equal an impression made. So keep that in mind. I'm pretty sure Greg, uh, Greg Weiss with MasterCard, uh, I think he is the one who tweeted that first, at least uh, where I saw it. I did pay attention to that tweet. <laughs> now, tell me, how do brands get started with branded content? Like, how how does that process even work? I think, you know, in relation to social media for branded content, you have to, uh, brands have to realize that they are entering into a medium that is different from their other advertising uh, it, you can have a great television ad that won't do anything on social. You can have a great radio ad or newsprint ad that, that, that'll do great on those mediums, but won't do the same on social. So it's, it's its own creature. It's its own beast. And I think one of the biggest mistakes brands make is that they think they can just kind of go, well, we'll just kind of th just throw our TV ads up there, or we'll just kind of take the same approach. Uh, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't, it doesn't translate. It very, 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 very rarely works. I mean, there might be occasionally you'll sort of be one or two will pop out, but generally it won't work because it's not the same type of content. There's kind of a more edginess to it. There's a more authenticity to it. 
Um, there's, again, it's based on that weird intimate relationship that people have with content consumption on social media that it's very, very personal. And I think that you know brands have to realize the best content on social is content that has utility, content that has function. And that function has to be of value to the user in order for it to be successful. If it's not useful in some way, then it's just like, who cares? Well, why? That's one of the reasons social media has done so well is that you don't have to watch the stuff you don't want to watch. You don't have to fast forward through the commercials. You just scroll past them. They're gone in seconds. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, if, I, I don't know. I still I watch more and more TV again, though, honestly. But again, I'm fast forwarding through the commercials unless it's sure. sports. Maybe. Now, when you talk about you, you mentioned social media a lot. I mean, is that where brands should start with content, uh, branded content, or, or how does that look? I mean, I'm a big fan of create once, publish everywhere, right? And I, yeah, I know the regular listeners, you know this. We're live everywhere. We're going to put it on TV. We're going to put it on radio. We might blog about it. You know, it goes everywhere, and we put it on the podcast. I forgot about right. that. Right. Um, that doesn't work with branded content or, or how do you feel about that? No, I think it certainly can work. It depends on the type of content. It depends on who your demographic is. It depends on who your audience is. Uh, that said, what works on TikTok might not work on Facebook and, and you know, the, the converse of that as well. Uh, you might have something that works great on Facebook that doesn't work great on Instagram. Um, so saying, there's ways for you to kind of multipurpose your content and, you know, if you do a podcast, you can actually get, uh, you know, you could create versions of of your same content that's going to work on TikTok, that's going to work on Instagram or whatever, whether that be, you know, using a photo on Instagram or finding the funniest bit or the most ridiculous bit on for TikTok, having the long form be available as a podcast. There are ways to kind of mine your own content and create stuff that'll fit best on those platforms. But those platforms are different. And I firmly believe you have to be a consumer in the market in which you're trying to sell to. Otherwise, you're just a stranger showing up saying, hey, do you guys want to do this? And everyone's like, what are you talking about? So you have to be a consumer in the market. So you have to be aware of if you're going to spend money in TikTok or you're going to spend money in Instagram or Twitter, you should be there. And you should have people who, if, you, if you're not there, you should hire people who are. I think that's always one of the biggest problems when people don't understand the networks, when people don't understand... You know, for for example, I recorded, we did a live stream earlier about AI. And I've mm -hmm. learned a lot about AI, but I don't even know if I sometimes use the right language, right? I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. remember the days when people would say, uh, was it, oh, we should put this on the Facebook or whatever it was, right? <laughs> um, I mean, so you have to understand the different networks, but but you can certainly repurpose it too. I mean, I repurpose Instagram Reels as TikToks. I know they don't want you to do that or, sure. or vice versa and other places. Uh, and branded content, does that work for any brand or, or are there some brands that they, they should try it quicker than others? I mean, I think it can work for any brand. I think that uh, the type of content that you create, type of branded content you create would be different depending on, you know, uh, what the brand was and who their market was. Um, and that's just evident when you're trying to, you know, look for potential customers, new potential customers, you're trying to find out who those people are and what they like, and then appealing to those, those things. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's definitely room for all types of brands to create branded content and social media, uh, that'll be effective for them. 
but again, you have to, like one of the things on my site, it says it says entertain first, sell second. And that's the key because what you're doing when you're when you're involved in creating branded content on social media, you're actually, and any any branded content, even if it's on traditional media, if it's a TV commercial or something, you're asking people for their time. You're saying, hey, can I have 30 seconds or 60 seconds or whatever of your life that you will never get back? And on your deathbed, you'll be like, God, I wish I had 60 seconds more. And you'd be like, sorry, you watched that commercial for Toyota instead. Um, so you have to make it valuable. You have to make it valuable to people and that they'll be entertained. So they'll be, they'll laugh, they'll cry, they'll think, they'll learn something. They'll be able to use the content on social specifically, uh, to express who they are and how they feel about something. Um, and you just have to give that value. And as long as you're doing that, it doesn't matter what brand you are. I mean, you could be a funeral home. There's lots of funeral homes that are doing really funny stuff and uh, and touching stuff where it's kind of like, yeah, this is we kind of feel like we're part of the same shared experience of life. And if you can capitalize on that, then you're doing it right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of brands that can do a lot of different things, right? I mean, very mm. rarely can I, do I find something that find a brand that doesn't fit now you mm -hmm. have to prioritize, however, right? Because you can't do everything. Mm -hmm. Now, entertain first, sell second. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm not gonna argue with you. I'm with you. But that's <laughs> harder. That's harder than it sounds. Because sure. if you have people breathing down your neck, right, saying, Hey, how come we're not meeting whatever MQLs for the last week, or you know, mm -hmm. or, or sales accepted opportunities or whatever it might be, or sales are down. How do we explain that? How do we, uh, how do people that count the money first? Yeah. How do we get them on board? Well, I think if you're thinking you want to capitalize or use uh, social media or take advantage of social media for branded content, I think that if you're either explaining it to a higher up or you are the higher up, you have to ask yourself, what's the last ad that you shared? Uh, that question is usually quite it takes some people aback when we're in agency meetings or brand meetings. They're like, what's the last ad? What's the last ad? What's the last commercial that you shared on social media? And that kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, okay. So it's not just about imagining, you know, social media as like a media buy. You're not just saying, oh, you have 20 million followers. Well, great. That means my message will go out to 20 million people. It's like, well, it won't if it's not valid or, or of value to them in some way. So you have to create the value for the viewer first that's going to make them not just scroll past it because they, again, nobody has to watch any ad whatsoever. You have to make it valuable in some way. And that's, even though it's kind of a hard thing to be like, well, we just have to get sales. It's like, well, if you want to get sales, you have to get the people's attention and get and, and connect with them first so that that's that step taken care of and they'll go on and they'll buy and they'll sign up or whatever. Um, so I think, it, again, it just goes back to that question of just like, what's the last ad that you shared? And if you think about that, then you realize the value of those ads. Yeah, I can't think of any, obviously. But, however, I will share this quick story that I actually might potentially make a purchase of a TV ad. And But here's the, here's the reason. Because we had a really bad storm coming through here about a year ago, an inland hurricane. That's not mm -hmm. what it's called officially. I know meteorologists <laughs> listening but that's how I describe it because that's the best way to describe it, in my opinion. And um, so anyway, I saw a commercial for generators. Mm -hmm. Didn't even think about it. And I called them. And I have two estimates coming out, right? Sure. So it's interesting. But I didn't share the commercial. I didn't say, oh, my goodness, look, yeah. look at this awesome commercial. 
it's not shareable, right? But mm -hmm. this one out of who knows how many have played in the background while I'm, you know, vacuuming or something, um, I actually took an action on. Now, you talk a lot about video, and I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of video just because, you know, here's one reason why I love live streaming, because it shows our authentic selves, right? Mm -hmm. We're having a conversation. It shows us off. You know, it's hard to fake not being a jerk if you're a jerk for 27 <laughs> minutes. So believe me. Um, but, you know, so, but but why video? Why is video so important in branded content? I think it doesn't have to be video necessarily. Um, if you look at, you know, for branded content on social, for example, KFC uh, UK did a great uh have done a number of tweets, which are just images, static images and text, and that they had been really engaging. Uh, and then, of course, recently there was Weetabix in the UK as well, um, who put out a picture of, you know, the Weetabix cereal, which is like those little pillows of wheat. And uh, they said that you can have them with baked beans. And people were all up in arms about, oh, my God, you can't eat, you can't eat Weetabix with baked beans. It's a cereal, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's ways to kind of get people's attention and engage in that. But again, that's created by people who are in the market and know how the market works. So again, it doesn't have to be video. For me, I think video works great if you allow the creator to do the videos that are already engaged, engaging for their audience. And if you're smart as a brand, what you do is say, do that, but just kind of wrap one of your arms around our brand and our messaging so that when they watch this, they get all the same level of entertainment they're excited about it. And then they also have the brand top of mind. I mean, I think one of the examples of that would be uh, in 2017, we did an, a video called Explaining Canada Day to Americans. And it's got seen about 65 million times now. And it was the biggest branded video in the world in 2017. And it beat out Nike by about 10 million views. And sales spiked by 10% uh, that weekend that the video came out um, nationally in Canada. And I think it just speaks to the idea that people want to be entertained. People want to have those short little spurts of things. And sometimes, as opposed to reading something, if it's, if it's sales copy, a good, slight tangent, but I think, you know, one of the things that can kill branded content is if you have too much caption, uh, if you have too much messaging and you're trying to make sure you get all those sales points across, I don't, why, why do I need to read that? Unless it's a generator and I, I have a need and then that sticks out in my mind. I have this need and it's like, oh, this is about generators. I will read this. But if I don't have any immediate pressing need for a generator, why, why would I read about it? I don't need to read about it. But if I see something that's going to entertain me and it's going to be of value to me in some way, then I'll spend the time doing it. I think that's why video is important is that you can, the entertaining part can maybe be more evident up front for people. Well, and some stories are much easier told in video than story. And I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. a man of the, the word. I mean, honestly, you know, I grew up being a writer and I still write, but now we do other things too. And what's interesting is, so I was thinking about what you just said, the generator. If I would have gotten a flyer, let's just pick on that, sure. or anything I had to read, would I have read it? I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the video, I'm, I'm leaning no, but it's hard to say, right, if I get a flyer in the mail. But the video was, the commercial was so visual, and mm -hmm. it was so, like, it kind of hit the pain points that I didn't even think about, <laughs> but now I was. So, you know... So it works. So you got to think about too what what works um, for a particular story. Sometimes it's the written word. Sometimes it's uh, video. Sometimes it might be audio, right? Or or, yeah. or who knows what else. 
Now, on your website, I want to talk about metrics for a second. So you talk about your um, your uh, KFC video campaign, most mm-hmm. popular branded video content in the world on Facebook for the summer of 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be interested, first of all, how you know, but but yeah. maybe more maybe maybe more importantly, not every brand needs to be running the most watched campaign no. in the world, right? If I'm yeah. a brand in a market that has, I don't know, 150,000 potential buyers, I don't need to be seen by 300 million. Yeah. Right. Sure. So how absolutely. do we measure? How do we measure? How do we figure out what's a good measurement and what's working and what's not? Well, I mean, I think you have to look again at who your demographic is and who your audience is, who your potential customers are, and you have to then determine how large that that group is. And then from there, you can determine, well, we know that there are, you know, from other studies or whatever, we re- we know that research that there are 250,000 people who love crocheting with glitter yarn. I don't know. I don't know how crocheting works, to be honest. Um, but uh, then you go, well, then what's a successful hit for that? Well, I think if we get anything over, you know, 50,000 people watching something, we've done a great job. If we get 200,000, we've done an amazing job. Um, if we've got 300,000, well, we've hit people we didn't even realize were interested in this. Now, obviously, that changes. If you're a regional business, there's zero zero concern for you to have a video that goes massively viral. Um I mean, viral doesn't hurt. Numbers are numbers. If you get millions and millions of views and you only are you're a snowplow business in a town of thirty thousand, then it caps out. There's only so many people you can reach with that message. You've maximized the effect of that advertising. Um, so you're right. You don't have to necessarily have a viral video for everything by any means. And people, you just don't get to choose that either. There's lots of reasons that videos go viral and you don't get to just say, I'm going to make a viral video. It's not, not how it works, no matter how much money you put into it. Um, so I think you have to just, you know, look at your audience, look at the size of that audience and determine what's going to be a successful number for that. Uh, if your audience is in 10,000 people in, in your town, then if you get, you know, 5,000 people watching the video, that's an unmitigated success. That's an absolute success. And I think that's all that matters. You have to know the context. And so here's the other fun story I have for um, viral content and numbers. So I did a campaign. Well, I shouldn't call it a campaign. A content marketing project for an OBGYN, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Don't know Amazing. much about giving birth, right? But basically, that's what it is. <laughs> so very local service like you're not going to travel to dallas from new york city for example to to give birth right but Mm -hmm. the article the article was about how many people should come to an ultrasound and i'm like that's crazy because some families bring like 12 people or whatever sure and so the article went viral worldwide Mm -hmm. like 50 countries fifty thousand views in like the first day or something and so somebody challenged me on that and they said why do i care if somebody in Slovenia reads that article and I said, you don't, (laughs) but when the numbers worldwide go up, the local numbers usually go up too. Sure. So that's why you care. And that's, that's kind of um, what's interesting to me. So how do uh, the last three minutes here? So tell us, how do people work with you? How do they reach out to you? And and how do you, uh, you know, who are the perfect brands? (laughs) <laughs> the perfect brands are the ones who pay me a lot of money. Those are the ones of the perfect brands. 
but no, I think you just can find me on any social media platform at Brittle Star and, uh, and you'll be able to connect with me there. And that's agencies find me on these platforms. They see content that I create and uh, they think, oh, that's that kind of matches our audience. I've been doing it for nine years now. And uh, I'm fortunate enough now to be able to kind of be pick and choosy about making sure those are brands, those brands that I work with are aligning with my own brand. And it makes sense because I've built up a lot of trust with a lot of people over the past nine years. And I don't want to betray that by adding in some stupid brand that doesn't make any sense. Not stupid brand, but some brand that doesn't make any sense with my brand. Um, so it's it's. It, I think if you're a brand out there, the best thing to do is go out there, consume in the market that you want to be in, find those people that make sense to your brand and align with your brand, and then try to contact them, like me. It's. I think it was PPC Kirk on Twitter uh, who says, "How do you have a?" Um, I think Kirk Williams. That, that's his real name. <laughs> um, but but he's. I think he's said something to the effect, "How do you run a, a successful business that you're happy in?" And he says, "Convince everyone." not to work with you that doesn't fit your ideal customer profile. Mm-hmm. You know, don't work with the wrong brands. Don't work with the wrong customers. And you know what? I one time got an offer to do um, to do a video for, it was like, a you know, male enhancement pill, which mm-hmm. doesn't fit my brand at all, right? Like, yeah. I don't talk about that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. why would I work with them? What... Last question here, Brittle Star. What does that? What's the what's the what's the story behind that? <laughs> uh, that was initially a band name. My oldest son was three years old, had a Marine Life book back in two thousand four, and uh, I was doing an album at the time, and I thought no one's going to wear a T-shirt with the name Stuart Reynolds on it, but they will wear a T-shirt with the name Brittle Star on it. And they're starfish that can see through their tentacles and they can, uh, and they defecate out of their mouths. And I thought, that's pretty funny. I'll take that. I'll use that. So I had all the domain names, I had all the socials. And when I started on Vine, I was like, well, I'll just stick with Brittle Star because whatever. I have, I just have all that stuff set up already. It'll be fine. And, uh, and thankfully, it's kind of turned into a thing. It's really weird to be a middle aged man and have people just refer to you as Brittle Star or Brittle. But I've, I don't know. I've gotten used to it. Hey, I'm getting paid, so it doesn't matter. I'm happy with it doesn't matter and you know certainly it, it has a story it, you know and, yeah. and i always like to hear the stories behind names um Stuart, it was great to have you on the show thank you so much for sharing your insights really appreciate it thanks so much again for having me that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks we appreciate you Until next time, let the best stories win.